Hey everyone, and welcome to the South Carolina Grower Exchange Podcast. Every week, agents, specialists, and growers from around the state chat about what's happening in the field and discuss the latest crop weather, insect, disease, and weed issues, as well as timely reminders and information related to fruit and vegetable production in South Carolina. Remember, you can read weekly field updates and register for upcoming events by visiting the SC Grower blog at scgrower.com. All right, morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, um, April 6th, and thanks for joining in with us. So one of the topics that seemed pretty repetitive on our weekly field this uh this week was the cold temperatures that everybody had um, at the end of last week and how they affected crops or how they have the potential to affect crops so we are gonna kind of talk about that a little bit this morning and dr um, juan carlos melgar joined in with us this morning. So Dr. Milgar, if you could just, especially in relation to the peach crops, I know uh, we got down to an average of 30 in the ridge area. Uh, I know there's been some talk and concern about what that had the potential to do to the peach crop. And um, of course, I'm sure it got cooler than that in the uh, around Clemson. But if you could just talk to us a little bit about the cold and how that could affect the peach crop and what stage they're in, that would be great. Sure, good morning, Sarah. Um, yes, uh, freezing temperatures are dangerous for peaches because they can kill the embryo. Uh, and so, but that typically happens when we get, I mean, uh, it depends on the phenological stage. Uh, so the more advanced the, the stage is, the more dangerous cold temperatures are. Uh, at this moment, at the beginning of April, uh, we're pretty much all uh, in, like all, all of our varieties are in post-bloom. And so for post-bloom, we know that temperatures at mm, 28, or below, I mean, at 28, they can kill uh, up to 10% of, uh, of the fruit. If we go down to 25, it can kill 90% of the fruit or the fruitlets. And so, and that's, that's typically when there are a few hours uh, at those temperatures. So as you said, in the ridge, we also have a weather station in Johnstone and uh, you have probably recorded some other temperatures in, from different stations. Uh, what I've seen is that they were in those, uh, I mean, near the freezing point in the station that I control, it was like 32, 33, the minimum only just for half an hour. So that's not, not a problem at all. And even if we get down to 28, again, like uh, it would kill about 10% of the fruitlets, uh, which at some point, I mean, uh, at that point, it can even help a little bit with thinning because uh, those fruitlets will, will drop and you, you need to do less thinning. Now, going below 28 would definitely be, be risky. Uh, here at Master Farm near Clemson, uh, we got uh, like the temperatures were pretty much uh, 
30 everywhere. There were a few low spots, like at Master Farm, they put different thermometers in different areas. And there were some very low spots, um, you know, coal tends to go down. So those low spots, they went down to 29. Um, but it's still, it's not, there is a little bit of damage, but it's uh, insignificant. It was not a, a big deal. And they, there were low temperatures, freezing temperatures on Thursday morning, Friday morning, and Saturday morning. That's uh, April, April 1st, 2nd, and, and 3rd. And on April 1st, we were lucky that it was uh, very windy. And here at Master Farm, for example, with having the, the lake surrounding us and with all that wind, uh, I mean, even though it was a radiational freeze initially, but with all that wind, the, the, the temperatures uh, near the trees and, and above the trees, the air mixes and the temperature was good. Not, it wasn't a problem. And, but then it was Friday morning and Saturday morning when we got into the 29 and 30, uh, there was very little wind. And of course the, the cold air settles near the trees and that's where it can be a problem. But uh, as I was saying, reaching only 29, 30 was not a, a big deal. It's, it's below 28 when we start worrying that uh, major damage can, can happen. So if there have been any low, low spots in some areas in the reach or in some of the peach producing areas that reach below 28, 28 or below 28, there could be some damage there. But again, I think it's, it has been very, very minimal. And I'm not sure in the upstate how, how I haven't talked to Andy Rollins yet, so I'm not sure how the situation is. But the good thing is that their um, phenological stage is about 10 days later. So, um, you know, fruitlets are a little bit smaller. And so they're able to withstand um, lower temperatures better than when they are growing, when they're bigger. Right, and I, um, Andy wasn't able to join in this morning. I'm not exactly sure what it got down to, but um, we did have a couple pockets that got down even below 28. I'm not 100% sure if that was accurate readings on those thermometers, because um, we do have some weird bubbles of, um, of temperature variation in the ridge, but but yeah, in general, most everybody stayed above 28. And from talking to growers, it kind of, they let nature do some thinning for them. So as long as we, as long as we don't have another, you know, cold snap um, deeper into it, I think that we're okay. Cause the crop was pretty loaded. Um, anyway and they were going to have to do some pretty significant thinning so it seems like it was a little bit helpful um there might have been some really early varieties that got a little pinch back but overall i think we're okay and that's the big question that everybody wants to know is are we going to have any peaches but sounds good looks good and typically, I mean, our, our last frost date is April 10th, April 12th, around these areas. So, and, and I've looked at the forecast for the next 10 days and there are no more low temperatures coming, like the lowest would be in the 40s, 46 or so. So uh, I think we will be fine in that, in that regard. 
um, it's going to be hard now, but uh, and that can also cause cause some some of the peaches to drop uh, because of you know there is a lot of competition be between all these fruitlets for resources, and there are very few leaves still. And so if it's really really hard, uh, they're going to be respiring a lot and needing a lot of sugars and carbohydrates. So um, if there are not e leaves enough to support all these uh, needs of carbohydrates, some of these fruitlets can drop. Uh, but again, since we are pre-thinning, I think uh, we'll be fine. All right, great. Thank you for that, Dr. Melgar. Sure. Um, as far as uh, other crops in like the Edgefield, Aiken County area, um, strawberries they did start to pick those um, got a lot picked and some stuck in the cooler before the really cold weather hit um, last weekend and did have to do some frost protection on those but um, besides slowing it down a little bit it looks like nobody was hit with any significant damage everybody was able to um, you know, put some frost protection out in some way, shape or form and take care of that. Um, vegetable transplants that had gone out, but um, most of those were um, kales and things like that. So they weren't really affected. It'll just slow them down. But like Dr. Melgar said, it's got some, we've got some really warm temperatures, um, high 80s in fact, coming up this week though. It'll probably snap them out of that real quick. Uh, Carrie. All right. Well, mine's a little different story than y'all. We had temperatures down to about 25 on that first night and 26 on the second and third mornings um, between Long Creek and Mountain Rest. Uh, so we have some pretty significant damage across the board as far as peach and apples. Um, I'm headed out tomorrow to do some sampling and try to figure out exactly where we are. Um, a couple of the growers have stated that they've essentially lost certain varieties um, as far as apples. They don't have much hope for peaches. Um, because they went that low, that 25, again, it was windy here too. Um, so it wasn't really that one, but the second and third mornings when it was 26 and still, um, depending on where they were on the side of a ridge or a mountain, um, really made a difference for as much damage as they had. So uh, we'll see how bad it is, uh, but it's not, it's not looking pretty right now. Um, we have a few orchards that tend to stay a little bit warmer, so we're hoping that those are going to skate through. Um, but overall, it was pretty, probably pretty devastating for my my little pot of growers in Oconee. Um, so I'm guessing, I'm not sure about Andy's guys um, further up, um, but I would guess that they probably at least saw some damage. Um, I know we're doing sampling with Dr. Khan from NC State. Um, and so they're doing sampling in Hendersonville too for apples uh, to see, to assess that damage. 
So we'll, we'll see. I'm headed out tomorrow to do some of that and kind of see where we are. All right. Thanks, Carrie. Bruce, what you got going on in the PD? Well, um, let's see, uh, Friday morning, we, uh, we actually, um, most locations were, were right at freezing or just slightly above. Um, but you know, it was, a it, it was very windy, so didn't have any, any noticeable frost or anything like that. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, was, was very, very calm. Uh, I think the winds finally settled down, uh, somewhere around about, uh, about three o'clock uh, in the morning. Uh, most uh, most of the folks that I talked to that were up, you know, checking temperatures, they said that uh, basically thought that uh, that saw you know all the places that that did have uh, sub freezing temperatures. Uh, most everybody felt like they probably about three to four hours of uh, of a freeze event. Uh, I think most of the temperatures that I saw were like twenty eight. Um, uh, mostly inland um, to, you know, uh, there was there were some, um, you know, 34, 35s, you know, uh, much closer to the coast. Uh, strawberries, everybody, most everybody had their, their strawberries, uh, you know, wrapped up, covered up. Uh, the uh, little bit that, that, uh, that was uncovered, uh, probably, you know, just initially it looks like some damage, uh, you know, um, basically want to look at that after a couple of days and, you know, look at it again. So, um, blueberries are, um, the, our biggest, uh, blueberry grower, his irrigation, his frost protection was down. So he, um, we know that, that we had some, some loss, but, but not really sure how much, uh, yet it's, uh, starting, uh, we are seeing some, you know, some, some flat face out there. Uh, you know, basically where the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the Corolla has dropped off on the, on the blueberry uh, flower and it's just kind of left kind of a red flat pad, uh, you know, and, and it, it'll take a few days to really be able to tell, you know, what we're, um, you know, what that's going to be able to do. If it's, if it is going to try to size up and grow out of it, you know, if it, you know, um, but a lot of times if you're seeing, Red and flat-faced is uh, that's not a good sign at all. Uh, you know there, there are uh, you know to be expected some losses there, um, but uh, it, surprisingly, a lot of the the sized-up fruit, um, you know that that was uh, um, that was already starting to size up. Uh, we're not really seeing any damage on that uh, as of yet, but um, you know, like I said, it'll probably take a few days, but uh, um, you know we'll be able to tell. Um, Probably by the end of the week, really should be able to, to start seeing uh, seeing the damage there. Um, but as far as other uh, other crops, uh, you know, vegetable crops, uh, I know we had some uh, some some peas and some corn that was planted prior to it. As a matter of fact, I think we were, uh, actually had some sweet corn that was uh, that was at spike. Uh, you know, um, um, with, with the cold weather coming in. And uh, but it looks like damage is minimal on that. Surprisingly, it's um the uh, and, and the peas uh, were just prior to to, uh, to to emerging, so they're um yeah they they look uh, they look like they were really coming out. So I, I, you know I think we're we're really seeing minimal damage. 
right, thanks, Bruce. Justin? Hey, so we only got to about 30 here in the Midlands, got down to 30 at my house, both of those two cold nights. Um, strawberries, we don't expect any problems with that. Everybody had those covered up. Um, I did ride by a field this morning and noticed they had you pick open. So we are starting to do some picking now. Um, we're still probably a little bit behind where we were uh, in years past, but at least we have started getting some ripe berries that we can pick. Um, no other real damage to speak of. We hadn't started planting tomatoes and cucurbits and stuff yet, but uh, with the warming trend and the forecast, I expect that to start probably this week. Um, we had a little sweet corn coming up also, uh, but as small as it was, I don't expect the frost to do any damage to it. Um, that's about it. Everything's looking decent after the cold. We might have a little bit of damage to some mustard and turnips, uh, but I hadn't checked on those yet. That probably won't show up for a couple of days. Uh, that's about it. All right, thanks. Zach, how about, about in your part of the world? Can you hear me now? All right, good. Um, so we have a weather station here in uh, Charleston at the research station. Um, it was in the mid thirties here, but at Boone Hall Plantation in the Northern part of the county, um, we clocked in at 28.1. So uh, very unseasonally cold um, for us here. I went and looked at some blueberries the other day, some of the high bluish varieties. And I called Bruce about this and Dr. Meglar, I'm glad you're still on here. I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot. Um, but we had a lot of varieties that were fine, but it was two varieties. And I don't think it was a varietal thing. I think it was more of a location in the field because it was in a lower, more humid spot of the field. And as you kind of went up, I'm calling it a hill, you know, for, for the low country, but as you went up the hill, uh, you didn't see as much damage, but we had about 100% of the berries lost um, from, from some freeze event. And they're probably halfway ready like to being ripe. And so my question is, how do you tell what freeze event actually damaged berries? So was it this past weekend that damaged them or could it have been a freeze event, you know, post bloom? Or, or do you have a good answer for that? I don't know. I, I, talk, I called Bruce and we seem to think it may have been an earlier event with as extensive as the damage was, um, but we're just not sure. But um, anyway, we did see that. Um, I'm seeing some burn on uh, cucumbers and cantaloupes and tomatoes and that sort of thing, just a little bit. The plants are already growing out of it, um, but I am encouraging growers um, to get on a really good fungicide program because that dead disease tissue uh, will be a really good source of inoculum um, for our diseases to, to jump on them. But other than that, you know, we're looking forward to this warm weather and I think things are really going to push hard this week. Hey, Zach. Hey, Bruce. Uh, you know, something I thought about this morning, uh, you know, about uh, about the, the, the damage to the, flu, to the blueberries. I know you said that that uh, that as far as, uh, you know, there was it was the same variety that was down at the bottom versus, you know, 
sort of uh, up a little bit. Mm-hmm. What's the is the is the fruit the same size? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, then it, I didn't even think about that. If if the fruit is the same size, it may. Uh, chances are it was that it was actually uh, from from uh, this past cold event because you know I, I was I guess I was kind of racking my brain and, and I said well you know if it was uh, if it was from a prior event and it was just getting to that point to you know where the where the fruit was sizing up that uh, you know there would be a noticeable difference in the in the size of the fruit um, you know with with that with that. Uh, you know, cell and tissue uh, expansion. Uh, the damage would show. I mean, the that damaged fruit would would not size up. So now, you know, here I guess sort of you know thinking about that and, and uh, you know and and you know and hearing that the fruit's the same size. It my thought would be that that it probably was from from this event. Then thanks, guys. Um, Dr. Cthulhu, do you have anything going on your way you want to mention? Um, yes, yeah, so I just wanted to see if anyone had the contact info for uh, someone, a rep from Winfield Solutions. Um, the reason being, I'd done a, a couple trials at Charleston and um, uh, a commercial grower in Cameron uh, looking at ways to safen or reduce the injury of Bazagran in sweet potato and saw some um, pretty interesting, oh, can I share or no? Yeah, can you, can you um, see my screen? Yeah. Okay, well, this is, um, uh, we're, we are, we're looking at ways to reduce injury from Bazagrand and sweet potato. Uh, is a really good uh, post-emergence material for controlling yellow nutsedge. And uh, this is my graduate student's work, but uh, we looked at uh, melatonin. <clears throat> and then there's this product called Vitazyme, which is a mixture of brass and steroids. And I highlighted both the non-treated check here and um, uh, Bazagran alone. And you can see the, the yields, uh, you know, the yields are total marketable yields right here in this column. And then um, <clears throat> uh, you look at, when we combine both these plant hormones with um, Bazagran, you're almost doubling the yield. So we, we, we did it in Charleston as well. And there, there was no um, impact on uh, yellow nutsedge control. In fact, using the plant hormones, you got even better yellow nutsedge control uh, when you mixed with Bazagran because <clears throat> you had a more competitive plant canopy or plant architecture. So the yellow nutsedge that you know, using yellow, uh, bent bazagran alone, because you had all the damage to the sweet potato, the yellow nutsedge, uh, uh, you know, if it didn't get killed by the bazagran, was able to recover and push into the spaces which had been um, uh, disturbed due to the bazagran application. Comparatively, look at this picture right here. You have bazagran, melatonin, and vitazyme, and it's um, you know look, looks pretty good. So. I was I'm doing repeating those trials uh, in Charleston and and Cameron this year, and uh, you know just hopefully get get some more data. So four trials a day. It's not much, but it's something I uh, would like to get to the the registrant Winfield. I mean, unfortunately, it's not a bigger company. We might be easier to push it through. So uh, and IR four isn't that receptive to 
um, using like looking at safeners. They they they're very uh, simplistic, but they don't. They just want to look at um, you know, they don't want to look at like genotype interactions or safeners. They just want to see, you know, looking at herbicide in you know the the most common cultivar in a specialty crop. So now I get some promising data, and I was just uh, you know curious if anyone had any contacts with um with Winfield Company or Winfield Solutions. Hi Matt, we have um, Guido Schnabel and I uh, work with um, his name is Joshua okay, Mayfield. Joshua. I can send you. I can put the contact in the link in yeah. the chat. Okay, thank you. Uh, not this year, but a couple of years ago, for over two years, we've been working with them. Uh, in, uh, it was, I mean, Guido was working on uh, adjuvants that can reduce uh, spray drift and increase coverage, <laughs> and added to some uh, fungicides. Okay. And I was working on other, on other adjuvants that they have that can, they're like anti-transparent. -trans, anti Okay. can help with some issues. Uh, let me just put in the link in the chat, the information here. Here it is. So that's the person, that's the person that worked with us. That is email. He's in North Carolina. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. I think Sarah dropped off there. Um, does anybody have anything else that they want to share? Um, the only thing, real quick, I forgot to mention, I'm seeing a lot of spider mites and strawberries the last couple of days, and we've also seen some strawberries going downhill very quickly um, due to either anthracnose or phytophthora. I seem to think it's anthracnose. Justin seems to think it's or phytophthora, uh, but we're sending samples to the lab, but we've send it, seen it on multiple farms um, here, so it's just something to keep an eye out for um, when you are looking at strawberries this week. It, it happened really quickly, too, so... Keep that in mind. So who who gets a prize? What do you win if you're the winner between you and Justin? Uh, you don't get fired. You get to keep your job. <laughs> Zach has to call in a turkey for me. <laughs> there you go. I got y'all. All right. I see Sarah, but it says she has no ho no mic. So. If anybody else has anything left or anything else to say, um, if not, I think that wraps it up for this week and we hope you'll join us next week. We'll see you fairly next Thank time. you. Thank you. See you. Bye everybody.